Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. I'm so glad you've been joining us, and thank you. Welcome, all you newbies. Thank you for making your friends our friends. It's been so much fun to hear where you're listening from, Tyler, Texas. Wyoming family, what, what city in Wyoming? I've come to love Wyoming. And yes, we can help you start a group in Wyoming. We have lots of tools that will be useful to you. So thank you for your emails. It really means a lot to us. The simple email that says, I'm listening from, and even if you're not new, send us an email and tell us where you're listening from. I always want to remember to remind you that the website is there, and especially for you newbies, I think we keep up regularly of several thousand podcasts that we've done. Uh, we keep an archive of two or three hundred of them up regularly. They rotate off. So you can binge. One of the emails I read yesterday was, I've been binging Modern Homemakers and Donna Otto. Well, that's good. Welcome. I, I binging. Be careful about binging, but welcome. We're glad. So go to our website if you uh, want to look at things that we offer. There are books and materials and other videos and training programs and lots of things for you to do. Don't forget that very soon, in the next week or 10 days, you're going to be hearing from my friends. So you've made your friends our friends, and now I'm going to make my friends your friends, and you'll get to meet some of the people in my world. Well, when we were together the last time, I started Finances, Family, and Training Children. And I got very close to getting to my second point. And um, there was a lot to be said. So go back if you're just hearing this lesson as a part two. Go back and hear part one. But we're talking about materialism in the home. And I ended by saying that a child raised in a materialistic home has a predictable future unless it is overcome. And I, I wanted to pause there because I kind of went through that quickly. Can we overcome things we were not trained to do? <gasps> yes, 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 yes. How many times could I say yes? My environment and the environment that I was raised in, and I don't I try not to be the kind of person who looks back and says, my parents were really stinkers. My parents really could have done my parents were parents and they made mistakes. They did the best they could. They weren't married when I was born and they decided to get married and they were only married for about 10 or 11 years and then they got divorced. So I had a lot of trauma and a lot of transition. But I can remember being about 20 years old and someone gave me something or talked about character. And the quote, which will be very loosely given, was from Moody, D.L. Moody, who was the founder of Moody Bible Institute and a world-renowned revival teacher, preacher. And he said that character was who you were in the dark. Who you were in the dark. And that phrase just leapt into my heart because I had some incongruities. So I went to um, a friend who was a leader in the church, and I said, so what would you do if you didn't have a lot of character traits on the good side of your character list? And they were very helpful. And the most important thing they said was, don't worry, God will help you gain and encourage you to have good character. Can you have good character and not be a Christian? Yes. Can you be a Christian and have bad character? Yes. 
It's your choice. But I will never forget, very, like three times in my whole life, that I had a dream. And when I woke up in the dream, I knew that God had used it. And in the dream, I was offered an either or. The either was not a good character, and the or represented good character. And I chose the or. I woke up that morning weeping and smiling and so grateful that God had helped me overcome the lack of being trained in a family uh, with good character. Literally, girls, my dad taught me how to tell a lie. It was important that he thought I should know. Sometime I'll tell you that story. A child raised in a materialistic home has a predictable future. Misuse of credit, default on debt, poor worker, irresponsible in society, church, and family. Quick to blame others, pout, show entitlement tantrums. Indulging a child is never a good response. So I want you to look for those things in your own children. Are they pouting? Are they having temper tantrums? Are they unwilling to work or only willing to do whatever it is? I remember uh, my husband saying, we've got to help her. We just have one daughter. We've got to help her know that we don't work always in our own circumstances. And one morning, we had had a lot of granite delivered. In Arizona, you have granite, not grass. And it had to be spread. And he uh, announced that we were going to start early the next morning. That was a Saturday. She was 12 or 13, not happy about getting up early on Saturday morning. But we watched something that morning. She got up, and she was cranky. And we just kept quiet. And she was cranky, and she was cranky for about three barrel loads full. And then suddenly, her crankiness it just began to go away. By the time we were finished with that project, she was cheerful. There is something about working that is good for our souls. Families are the center of society, and home, in a holy sense, is a place that says, thank you, and, and you're welcome, and we share together what we have. We train from birth in all areas. Children model us, good or bad. I mentioned last time we were together, my daughter wagging her little baby doll, wagging her finger at her little baby doll, using phrases that she did not understand to mimic me. I remember, and this is saying, a merry heart has cheerful disposition. I, she had no idea what that meant, but she liked the way it sounded. We are told to train up our children in the way they should go. We are also told in Deuteronomy, a passage which I have read many times, and you will find all over our website as, as a place that tells us that we, what we are to do and how we're to do our life. And the way we're to do that is not only to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and might, but to do it in a way that represents Children, recite to them your children. Talk with them when you are at home, when you are away, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We talk about decorations in our home. What are the things that you want to bind into your children? I will never forget the first time I read that and I looked down at my hands. I've always thought my hands, I want to take extra care of my hands. I almost always have nail polish on because I like it. And I, I thought, 
Yes, I see my hands more than I see my face. And this passage in Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4, says these concrete things. Love the Lord with God, your heart, with all your heart, and train your children when you walk, when you talk, when you sit, when you lie down. Go to college, get a career. That makes the most what? Money or the better person? I find myself hearing, I know I should go to college because my income will be better. No, no, no. That's not why you should go to college. You should go to college if it's something that will train you to be a better person to serve the Lord in the places that you live. Find out what God wants. Oh, I don't know what I want to do yet. That's okay. Education is not about how much money you can make with it. I've decided to go into this field, even though I'm not interested in it, because I know it'll be a good income. How many of you have heard that said? How many of you have kids who are making college choices? That is a very, very common thing. Don't go to college just to get a career that makes the most money. Go so that you can learn and that God's will can be done through you. Society also trains us to look at the commercial surrounding us, the world surrounding us. Your children watch commercials all the time. They watch ads on everything. I was listening to a preacher. Did I say this on air? If I did, I'm still stunned by it. This is just in the last few weeks. I was listening to a preacher, some encouraged me to watch. It was a great sermon. In the middle of the sermon, all of a sudden the screen changed. And there was an advertisement. Now, I will say the advertisement was for a 501c3 ministry. But it was in the middle of the sermon. And I know that there was advertisement put inside the sermon. Education matters and green money matters more. I have to tell you that my daughter and son-in-law are very careful with the TV, especially when the children were younger. Their violent or sexual commercials, they clicked off. But I never saw them click off commercials that had consumer interest in them. They are teaching us to buy everything. Teach your children and train your children about money. When David and I were first married, we decided that we needed to talk about money a little more because he had one word and I had another word. They were both S words. His was save, 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 and mine was spend, spend, spend. And we had to work those two S words into our lives. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China, said, the less I spent on myself and the more I gave to others, the fuller of happiness and blessings did my soul become. One of the emails we received just this last week was uh, they're talking about money that comes into the family um, as a gift. It's a birthday gift. Should you encourage your children to take all the money and spend it on themselves? Or should the birthday gift, even the birthday gift, be used in a way that represents caring for others? So here are a few ideas. Give them their own money and let them spend it as they choose. It will help you see where their interests lie. Remember, there are consequences. No bailing them out. Broken toys, if they're not careful with their things and they break them, don't replace them. Uh, lunch money, uh, if they decide to spend their lunch money on something they want, great, let them be hungry. They have to learn from the consequences of their choices. Someone steals their something, don't replace it. Adversity happens, loss happens, misdemeanors happen. 
Give them a loan. Start in small amounts. This replicates a credit card. Let them see how long it takes to pay it off. Add interest if you want to. Make them work for money. Money has a cost. Help your children to understand this. Our grandchildren know that Nana and Boompa always have jobs that they can do to help us. Always. We want them to come and help us because they like us. And sometimes they do. And sometimes they call and say, I want to buy something and I don't have any money. Do you got any jobs? We say, yes, come. Our grandson has been coming recently being muscles. He's now six foot two inches tall and is like the strong man. And uh, Boompa is so glad to have Samuel's strength. When our daughter went to college, she went to a very prestigious college, a very expensive college. She had to work all summer to make the money for the gas and the insurance and the registration on the salvage car that we bought for her. We bought her a little salvage car Toyota. I'll never forget it. Toyota station wagon salvage car. When you have a story, uh, always remember that your first car is a story for the rest of your life. Everybody has that story. If you ever get in a gathering with new people and you don't know what to say, have them tell their car stories. They're amazing. And my husband said to me, the days that we were talking about helping her do this, she's always going to say her first car was a salvage car. We thought it was a good thing. Some work doesn't make money. It just work. It's just being part of the family. It's taking out the trash. It's keeping your room clean. It's helping mama with the tables to decorate it or, sell, or set it or washing the dishes. Teaching a motive of support for people who you live with or a sense of accomplishment in a job is a basic work ethic. So money doesn't, you don't get money for everything you do. School work is their biggest work. That's their biggest work. And their reward for that is an education. Saving. Help them to save for the sake of saving, period. Help them to save for the sake of saving. When you save to make a big purchase, do you or do you put it on credit? Maybe you're going to buy a new car or a washing machine or a refrigerator or a bicycle or a computer. Whatever it is, show them that you're saving and make some of these things very physical. Let them see it. It's a bank. It's a bank account. It's money set aside so they can watch it grow depending upon how old your children are. Education is a part of all of us and four years makes it great. But the education you get on your own is equally important. We gave our daughter four years of college. Her plan whether she liked it or not, was to get it done in four years. If she couldn't get it done in four years, done. She's done on our payroll. She got it done in four years. But in the third year, she decided to change her major. We thought that's not a good idea. We talked to her about it. She changed her major. She did it anyway. She changed her major. When she graduated in four years with a great liberal arts education, and it was a great education. We were never sorry for it. She had to go back and take four classes on her own pocketbook to get the courses that she needed to have the degree that she changed her major for in her junior year of college. We didn't pay for it. She failed one class during her college years, and she gave the failure form in a brown envelope wrapped with a bow at Christmas Eve dinner. Very clever, she thought. And she gave it to us as a present, and we opened it up and said that Anissa Otto had failed uh, geometry. 
And her father looked at her and said, I don't know what a course costs, but you're on your own. And she did. Giving, giving. Samuel, my grandson and his father, I'll never forget being in the car with them. And uh, Jason, Samuel's dad, telling him about homeless people. And I think I mentioned this to you recently. There are no rules. Now, everybody doesn't follow the same thing. You listen to what God tells you to do. Does he want you to take that man home and feed him a dinner at your table? Does he want you to buy him food? Does he want you to drive by? God will tell you what to do. When our daughter was little, she didn't know what money was, and we gave her 10 dimes. 10 dimes made $1, and we began to show her. We did use an envelope system, which remarkably is still a tool used in money management today. It's very visual. She put one dime in this envelope, one dime in this envelope, one dime in the other envelope. And remember that giving is not uh, 10%. It's not the rule. It's just an offer. God may call you to give more, but get in the habit of giving. It's like prayer and Bible study and church attendance. I have a very darling piece of jewelry that my husband bought me when we were um, in Israel, one of our Israel trips. It's a widow's mite. You know the story of the widow's mite in the scripture? It's, it's no bigger than the top of my thumb, and it's black. Now, in my case, it turned out to have a little gold apparatus around it so it could be hung on a chain. But it was so little, I never forgotten that picture. Not only the story of the widow's mite, which was all she had, but how small it actually was. And I love the story of raising my own child, who one year at Christmas put a tie box in the offering plate. I asked our pastor, because my daughter had decided that she was going to give God a tie. And um, there was no diffusing it, first of all. And it was a giving thing, and she thought all men liked ties. And at that point, God was a man to her. And so we talked to our pastor, and he said, sure. And she put a tie box in the offering plate. Be a giving family. Show your kids that you give. Money and self-control go hand in hand. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And Titus 2, chapter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, talk about the places where we can give and exercise self-control. Immature people have a very hard time exercising self-control. Deferred gratification comes to cause us to be immature. We want immediate satisfaction. My husband still loves to tell the story on the non-farmer city Chicago girl when we put in our first garden. I went out to check it to see how I was doing. <laughs> he just loves to tell that story. I think I cannot believe that I was that idiotic. But I did. I pulled up the little green fluffy thing that was on the carrot to see how big it was. <laughs> it wasn't very big. And we laughed. Well, I didn't laugh at the moment. I thought, <gasps> but David's made quite a story out of it. But that's immediate satisfaction. I want to see how big it is, and I want to see how big it is now, not wait until it grows strong enough to eat. Self-control is a constant in our life, and it spills out into the areas of the rest of our life. Sharing, blessing, stewardship. This sharing is a really important part of your children's life. Let them watch you share. I will never forget a vehicle we loaned to a young man who was quite a reckless young man. We knew that. 
and he came back and had broken something. And my daughter was just, oh, she was maybe a 14-year-old. <gasps> she was just a guest. How could he do that? He was her friend. Um, how could he do that? Blah, 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 blah. I guess they were older because he was driving. And, um, and my husband said, well, we knew what we were doing when we gave it. And it doesn't belong to us. God gave us the resources. And it helped his family. And so we did it. Oh, our daughter did not like that. But we look back and think about that. And not long ago, she used the young man's name and told me that she had told that story to her children, who are now teenagers. Hospitality is a way of giving. Open your home. Share your rooms. Have your children give up their rooms for someone to stay. Show your thankfulness. Shakespeare says, sharper than a serpent's tooth, it is to have a thankless child. And the wonderful Psalm 103 tells us to praise the Lord, all my soul, all my soul, and all my soul, and forget not his benefits. I haven't talked about this in a long time, but I helped people learn how to give thanks. Because I discovered when I said to someone, tell me something you're thankful for. No, tell me ten things you're thankful for. And I would watch them. They put their hands out, and they'd start with, you know, health and family and God and church. And by the time they got to five and six, they suddenly started to slow down. And literally, many people couldn't say ten things. So I did this for a long time, especially here in the ministry when we were meeting weekly as a group. And I would say, give me ten like push-ups, give me 10. Let's make it a practice. Let's push our arms up, our hearts up, and practice the things that we are thankful for. Be a spender, but be a careful spender. Make sure that what you're spending your money on is good and wholesome. Make sure that what you buy is timely and wise. Remember that secondhand is never bad. My husband and I have never bought a new car. We always buy a used car doesn't have to have a lot of miles on it, but we don't have to have a new bright, shiny car and all the things that go with it. I understand that buying a car right now is an excellent idea because they are making so many deals to get the cars off their lots, not to make a profit, just to get the cars off their lots. Remember that your rich inheritance is not about money, but it's about training and teaching what to do with rich riches. Rich inheritance is a life full of character and godly knowledge about money and how to use it. So how do you deal with materialism in your home? Do you have an answer to that question? How do you see your children handling money? I had an aunt who called $100 bills. My goodness, this is 70 years ago, hundies. And I picked up the habit, my husband said to me one day, when our daughter was little. Hey, hey, I think we should stop with the hundies. It sounds very casual, and $100 is a lot of money. I know $100 is less today than it was then. But be careful how you handle it. Be careful how you speak of it. When you see a cultural push for stuff, stop and ask your children, what do you think God says about this stuff? What do you think God would like you to do? Take them junking and garage sailing and describe to them how to look for something that was once new and now still has life in it. A trip to the mall is always a good idea to help your children show you what they want and how much of it they want. 
We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto, and I'm very happy to be talking to you about such practical things as finance and training your children. Join us on the next few days as I give you 12 principles in helping train your children to be money wise. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of helping your children understand money. <laughs>